Well, hello there, and welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and on behalf of my co-host, Chrissy Dunham, we want to thank you for sharing this time with us. You were joining us as we study the book of Philippians. If we had to sum up the book of Philippians in one word, it would be encouragement. And that's exactly what we hope you take away from this series. We want to encourage you as the Apostle Paul did for the church in Philippi. If you enjoy the Wonder Podcast, will you share with your family and friends? And if you really love it, will you throw us some stars on the platform in which you listen? The more stars, the easier it is to find our podcast, and we want folks to find us with ease. So thank you again for listening in. You have encouraged us already. God bless you. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. We are so excited to join you men and women today as we conclude our study of the book of Philippians. It has been so fun and I've learned so much as we've studied this together and Lisa has been a great guide And so we're going to close out our study of Philippians today. And I'm just so excited because chapter four is my favorite and it just pumps me up as I was preparing for this. I was just so excited. But Lisa, before we get started, bring us up to speed. What's going on in the Clark household? (laughs) Well, we're still doing our, you know, getting our house back to normal after we have done a few light renovation projects. I'm sorry, people, listeners of the world. It is not light. She has totally repainted the inside and outside of her home, and it's stunning. Well, you're very sweet. But so when you do that, though, you know, you have to take everything off your walls and all that. Well, it's all still off my walls because I'm a very slow put back on my walls kind of girl. And I kind of like my white walls. You know, if you've ever experienced that, it's kind of like, oh, wow, this looks so nice and clean. I don't know if I want to junk it up again. Right. All that stuff is still sitting out. So my sister is coming this weekend. So my mother's 80th birthday is this weekend. (gasps) Happy birthday, Mama. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do a... um, as much as we can with COVID and her living in a uh, home, you know, with a few other residents. So we're, we're going to make um, the best of it, but she's coming and she's bought some things from me because I bought a few new pieces that um, kind of go with the new look of the house. And she liked the old look of the house. And so she's bought some pieces for me. So I'm kind of waiting on her to come and get all of that. And when she does, I'm going to try to start getting more organized and things up on the wall, especially before Thanksgiving, because That'll be next week. And I want to have things looking a little bit cleaner and put together. So So that was going to be my next question before we got started, before we get started. Are you hosting Thanksgiving? I am. I am. So we'll have our whole crew with us for lunch on Thanksgiving day and they'll spend the night. Super excited. about So we'll have the whole, all five grandsons and their parents spending the night with us Thanksgiving. And then they'll, uh, go and do, you know, the other family the next day. And so anyway, yeah, we're super excited about that and having them. And I'm already, I've already started getting some things ready, freezing some things and getting uh, all of the plans and preparations underway. Go girl, go. I'm hosting too. Ours is going to be on Friday uh, because it'll be safe to say this because this will Actually, oh no, it won't. I can't say it, but 
one of our families is surprising their kids with a trip. And so they don't come back until Friday. So we're celebrating Thanksgiving on Friday with my family and I'm hosting Charlie and I. So I'm super excited about that and uh, just looking forward to some time together. And they're all going to spend the night Friday night too. So it's so fun. Oh, I love it. Fun times. Like I know. safe in sharing anything about our kids because they really don't listen to our podcast anyway. I know. But like if Joni Buster or someone that's very faithful, Tiffany Rogers, and they run into one of my kids and yeah. say, oh, I heard your da 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 I just, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't risk it yet, Lisa. I see that. I see that. So. Okay. All right. So well, start us off with Philippians in a nutshell, chapter four. Okay. I will. And like you, Chrissy, I've loved doing this study and looking at Philippians a little bit deeper. It's been such a blessing. And this chapter, I guess, has more power verses like all of Philippians does. But this might have one of the most top five most quoted verses in the Bible in this chapter. So I'm excited to get into it. So here's Philippians in a nutshell. Philippians chapter four. In chapter four, Paul charges the Philippian Christians, do not worry about the future, but pray about your concerns. Only think about good things and God will give you peace. Even though I have learned to be content with little, I am grateful for your gift to me and I am happy that God will bless you for it. God will take care of you. So that's what we'll be talking about today as we dive into Philippians chapter four. So let me get us started. Philippians chapter four, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses one through seven. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Udia and I implore Sinchi to be the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here we go. We are diving right into Philippians chapter four. And I love the first verse, Chrissy, because how he responds to his brothers there in Philippians. We know through the whole letter of this book, he's been encouraging them. And these are different letters that he's written. And he's been encouraging them as as new believers in the church. And I love how he describes them as um, his joy and crown. And I think it's just such a beautiful picture. And as parents, uh, isn't that our prayer that we can look at our children and say, my joy, my crown, and for yes, led to the Lord. I just think it's a beautiful picture. But what he's talking about here as he goes on is these two sisters. Now, I've got sisters. You've just got a brother. So um, maybe, but you've got two daughters who are sisters. I've got two daughters who are sisters. The sister thing is kind of complex. And uh, you love them and they're your best friend, but they can also get on your last nerve and you can have conflict with your sisters. And what is he saying? He says, these two sisters are at odds, but he's asking them to find agreement, to be in agreement, to find common ground. And it's a letter to the church. And these two sisters are in the church and he's saying, hey, find your peace here, find some common ground. And you that have labored with me, 
help them find this common ground because we're all on one team. And I think the sisters represent the church here. They represent the conflict that can happen in the church when we don't all agree on all of these things. And lo and behold, and here we are in 2020, and we're still not agreeing on so many things in the church. But what do we, what should we agree on and what should we keep as the main focus? And that's Jesus Christ, the gospel. So he's saying, um, we're going to d- disagree on some things, but it's okay. Help them find common ground. They've labored with me. We, I know their hearts. Their hearts are right. Their hearts are for the Lord. They're on the same team. And here's what you do. You rejoice, you be gentle, and you be anxious for nothing. And then what happens? The peace of God. That's when the peace of God comes. And the peace comes from asking God, from coming to him and asking him, Lord, we've got these issues. Help us. And then asking him to help you. So it's just a beautiful picture of the church. It's so appropriate for today, isn't it? I love that. And I love that I had, this is probably from a sermon. I had in my Bible that this is a prescription for worry is to rejoice and to pray with thanksgiving and to meditate, be gentle. All those things that you mentioned, there are so many things that we could be worried about right now and caught up in. And I think that even as believers, we get caught up in lies uh, like I'm helpless, I'm unlovable. I'm worthless. And I wonder if these ladies may have been experiencing some of that. They've worked so hard for the gospel and they've been partners uh, with the church and sharing. It says they contended for the gospel. They've been faithful to share and something has happened. And I think, especially as women, we get caught up in lies that, you know, I'm, I'm not worth I'm not worthy of this. I'm, I'm worthless. This isn't working. And maybe there was some jealousy. I don't know what all the issues are, but I love his remedy for this. And it's for our lives. Right. You can't worry about anything. And I love that he said, the Lord is near. Remember, you are not alone. All you have to do is pray, ask him in everything through prayer and petition. So I love that whole piece there. I just love it. And that's where the peace, that's where peace comes from is when you turn everything over to him. Right. Ask him for help. We're going to have worries. We're going to have anxiety. We're going to have conflict. All of these things are going to come and the church is not exempt from those things. And I think we're seeing that today that we're having, uh, I, I know at our church, there's a whole ministry for that right now. And, and I love what Warren Wiersbe says. There's this quote. He says, most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries. That's and good. I think that's so good because that's a reminder that whatever the, whatever the conflict was with these two women where Paul is saying, look, help them out. Listen, we are to rejoice. We are to remember what Jesus did for us. All of these things that come at us, and isn't that what the enemy wants? Is he wants us to be just unable to function because we're worried about something that might happen in the future or we're regretting and worrying about something that we did yesterday. It can paralyze us. And put this behind you. We've got to move forward. The gospel needs to be Dear, listen, Jesus died for all of this. We are victorious. And that peace 
that we get from Jesus, it will wash over us if we just take that to him and give him um, all of our anxiety, all of our conflict, all of our worry. And you know what? I think you're exactly right. I think what Paul was was telling the, the church is that whatever these two gals are worried about or anxious about or disagreeing about, help them out because they're on our team. And that's that should not disrupt the mission of the church. All of these things that we tend to get so hyper-focused on should not disrupt the mission of the church. And I tell you what, today with social media and all these other kind of things, I mean, we've seen so many people on our team, Chrissy, incredible women of faith, incredible men of faith that love the Lord just being crucified on social media for maybe a comment that they made or something that they said or whatever that really didn't change the gospel one iota. Right. I think for the church, we've got to be really careful how we jump on those bandwagons and start to be critical of people. He's saying, guys, we are on the same team. Take this to the Lord. Don't be anxious about these things. Don't be hostile. Don't relish in all of this conflict. The peace of God is what you're you're wanting. We're to treat each other with gentleness. And man, gentleness is one of those fruits of the spirit that really, if you are gentle, I can think of, you know, 10 people in my mind right now who I I would describe as gentle people. And in 2020, that's not something that we think is just a great attribute or character quality, but it is. And that's what Paul's saying is that's what you need as you're treating people. You need gentleness and you're treating them with gentleness and going to the Lord. So it's a wonderful picture of how we are supposed to operate as the church. Absolutely. And the last thing that just popped in my head as you were talking, when you talked about the word gentleness, I have been thinking a lot about people's lives on Twitter and all that. And you need to be bearing fruit. That's how they'll know we're Christians is bearing fruit. And the fruit of the spirit is what? It's that love, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things we know that come out of the book of Galatians. They'll know we're Christians by our love and by the fruit of the spirit. If you go back to the Beatitudes where Jesus said, you know, you've got to live uncommon. He said, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Blessed are that you have to live uncommon. So you have to look different. So you have to love those and show those that are doing the right thing. You have to support them and love them. And then those that aren't, sometimes you have to step in with a gentle word and just remind them who they are, which is what what Paul was trying to tell them there. Let me pick up in verse eight. Let's just do verse eight and nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. I think this was his closing statement addressing this council that was going on here. And he said, you know, finally, let me end this right here and remind you of just a few things. Things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. 
those are the things that are praiseworthy. Those are the things that we need to be focused on. He even used the word dwell. My version of the Bible says dwell. I know there's several other words that might be there in your versions, but dwell on these things. That is like an action. It's like a command. Dwell on these things. What does it mean to dwell? It means to hang out there, to think about these things, to dive into these things. Remember that God's word is full of truth and honor and it's pure and it's lovely and it's commendable and it is just. We live in such an unjust world and we can get caught up in that. But if you take all of that, whatever your your justice is that you're fighting for, your injustice, if you take it back to the, the word of God and dwell on the things that he has left for us, he says, you're going to have the peace of God with you. And he also reminds them, remember to do what you've learned, what you've received and heard and you've seen. And isn't that who we should be as the church? Remember what you've received. Your post this week was about GAs. I giggled about it, but then I started remembering all the things that I received as a GA. I received what the mission field is like. I received a world that I knew nothing of, and I couldn't believe that people lived in huts, and all they did was tell people about Jesus. And as I tasted the foods that they were eating, you just thought, wow, these people have given Jesus everything. And so then I take what I've learned and received and heard from those days, gosh, a long time ago. I'm 59 years old. I don't know how old I was when I was a GA, but I think it was at elementary school. And I can still remember the stories. I can still remember the foods. I can still remember those things. And the Lord has blessed me with a heart to go on mission. And he's given the opportunities to travel the world. And I think about that statement, do what you've learned and received and heard, and the peace of God will be with you. So it's just a reminder that when we do the things of God, when we're in his word, when we're serving other people, not thinking of ourselves, dwelling on things that are lovely and true and honorable and pure, we have the peace of God that no one can take from us. And people are going to wonder, what is different? What is different about her? Well, it's this, that when you dwell on these things, the things you've learned, the peace of God just overcomes you, and that is who you become. Well, Chrissy, you mentioned uncommon, that we are to be uncommon. And I mean, that's how we do it, right? <laughs> Dwelling, your, your scripture, your verse, version says dwell, mine says meditate, but uncommon is things that are lovely and of good report and praiseworthy and noble and just and pure. That is uncommon. That is uncommon. And so when we're dwelling on that and meditating on that, it's going to change us from the inside out. And that's what Paul is saying. Focus, dwell, meditate on these things. This is the higher calling that you've been given the higher calling. And then you already went into verse nine, the things which you have learned and, and received and heard and saw in me, in me. And Paul was, he was 
very bold into saying in several times in the scripture to say, follow me, watch me, look at me. So he, he was so sold out that he was willing to say that. And, and he could because he, he gave his life. He was an empty vessel for Jesus Christ. And I think about that and I think we're all an influencer. We're all influencers. You know, influencers are a really big thing these days with social media and people want to be influencers really bad. And I think about the the people that are really are paid to be influencers and then those who just want it really bad. And whether you're paid, whether you want it really badly, whether you're not on social media at all, we are all influencers. We are all, somebody's following every one of us. And so what's, as a believer in Jesus Christ, what's the prescription for that? There it is. It's dwell on these things so that, that the fruit of, of your commitment in Jesus Christ, that your mind is like his, that it's showing up in your life. And it's, it's a pretty high calling. You know, are you a teacher? Are you a mom? Are you a friend? Are you a sister? Are you a father? Are you a neighbor? You are influencing somebody. And can you look at them and say, follow me, I will lead you closer to Christ. And I think that's the calling on our lives. It's a high calling, isn't it? It is a very high calling. It's a little scary when you say it like that. Yeah. Um, Because I'm certainly not close to living like Paul at all. But yet, as you were talking, I thought, isn't that what the Christian life is about? We are supposed to be influencing people with the love of Jesus and influencing people with encouraging words and lifting them up and all those things. So if we're busy doing those kind of things, we don't have time for all this other nonsense that these two sisters were fussing about. That's right. Okay. So let's just go ahead and finish the chapter. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, which means go low, and I know how to abound or go high. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, here it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessaloniki, you sent, and you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, here he ends the letter and he covers several different things there. Um, 
he, st- he talks about his situation and he says, you know, I know your heart was to help me, but you, you didn't have the opportunity. What did that mean? Well, it, maybe it just meant that they weren't able to get to him quick enough. Maybe they didn't have the resources to get to him. You know, we know that he, they end up sending Epaphroditus, which was a true blessing to him. And Epaphroditus, as we talked about last week, got very ill while he was with Paul. The church prayed for him. God healed him. And um, Paul was able to send Epaphroditus back to him. And there's the sweet smelling aroma that that was just such a huge blessing to Paul there. But in verse 13, let's just talk about it a little bit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we look at the context of that scripture, we see that Paul is saying, I appreciate your help and it blesses my soul. But I've learned in this situation that God is with me when I'm hungry, that God is with me when I'm full. I have learned that God is with me when I'm low in the valley. And I've learned that God is with me when I'm high on the mountaintop. So I've learned to be content either place. I don't get too highs with the highs and I don't get too lows with the lows because what I've discovered in all of this, that I can do all things. I can do whatever God calls me to do through Jesus Christ. Now, we know that he was in chains when he wrote this. He was in prison. He was under house arrest when he wrote this. And so, see, this is when Paul said that, he's saying, I'm going to make it, you guys. Whatever, remember we talked about count it all lost last week. This is, he counts everything at lost. Whatever God calls him to, he can do with the power of Jesus Christ. That's that scripture. And that's the mindset when we're talking about the mind so much in Philippians. That's the mindset we are to have. God, if you call me to a cancer diagnosis, I can do it. You are going to walk me through. If you call me to this job, I can do it because you are going to be with me and I count it all loss anyway, because I know the joy of Jesus Christ. That's this verse that just gives us such power in the Christian life, such victory, because we know that Jesus is walking with us no matter what we are called to on this earth. And I I love that part of the scripture. And I love the context with which he's reading it and and saying it because it just gave them, I would think, such um, joy and pleasure knowing that Paul, our, our minister, our brother, who is in this horrible situation and is impending death is okay because he's got Jesus. That's right. And I think what sums it all up beautifully is this verse gives us faith. It gives us faith that anything can happen. I can do anything. No matter what happens, this is God's plan for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm content with whatever you do for us. You know, right now, Charlie and I are walking through um, trying to sell a home. And you get so frustrated because there's so many showings. You know, your house has to be spectacular every single day and you do all these things and then you get let down. You think, well, surely out of 50 people, we're going to get one offer and we haven't. So we had a conversation last night and this was fresh on my mind. And I told him, you know what? If this doesn't work out, we're okay. We Be content with what we have. 
so what that I have to drive 30 minutes to go do the, the job that I'm doing now? So what that our kids are 30 minutes away? There are people that their kids are on another continent. Yeah. There are people that have to get on a train and a bus and walk to get to their job. My goodness, this is nothing. Yeah. So what? So it's just a great reminder that this gives us faith. This whole book of Philippians is a book of faith and that his strength gives us contentment. His grace, it fuels our faith and that the message of our life is really simply in Christ. I have all I need. I don't need one more thing. And that's what Paul said throughout his whole life over and over, whether it was words or actions. He's like, look, I'm joyful when I'm in prison. I'm joyful when I'm beaten. I'm joyful whenever because I have Christ and I have everything I need. And I think if we would learn that and learn to live that and practice what we learned at the beginning of our talk and the beginning of chapter four to not worry about anything, but instead pray with thanksgiving, thanking him for what he's already done. And we've talked about this before. If you ever start praying and uh, you thank God for who he is and what he's about, you confess your sins and then you go into thanksgiving, Lord, but before I even ask for anything, I need to thank you for what all you've done. And when you start thanking him for things, you forget what you were even going to ask for because you're so overwhelmed. And this has happened to me so many times, overwhelmed with tears and just thankfulness of what he's done. You're like, I don't even need to ask for anything. You've been so good to me and I need to be content with what you've done in my life. And I think that is Paul's message. And as we know, this was at the close of his life. And a lot of commentators think this could be his last letter that he wrote. And he witnessed firsthand life-changing power of the gospel. And all of us have done that. We have seen that life-changing gospel. We have experienced that. And we need to share that with everybody that we see, with every conversation that we have, because that is what it's about. And I think that's what Paul was trying to tell the church is just in Christ, you have everything. Well, it changes the whole context of the letter, doesn't it, Chrissy? When you think that this, he's writing this before he dies. Yes. Just knowing that that is, is coming at, that that his impending death and the fact that he just has such joy and is telling the church to rejoice and encouraging someone else. It just changes the whole, I mean, the, it's just such a powerful, powerful book. And on, you know, we are heading into Thanksgiving and this has been a strange year. And a lot of people are still captivated by fear and are struggling to move on and not being able to see their family for whatever reason. Maybe if you've got, you know, elderly people or people that have certain certain illnesses right now that they can't be around others because of uh, a possibility of of contracting covid so we've got all kinds of of strange things going on right now some people might be down or anxious or or somewhat depressed with the holidays coming and this is just a great reminder that 
okay, so if you're alone for Thanksgiving, I mean, so if you've got a, a loved one that's not going to be with you at Thanksgiving, be very intentional to FaceTime them, to call them, to bring them in, to drop off food on their front porch, whatever that looks like. Make sure you as a family are getting an opportunity to really share what you're thankful for. Because I think once we, you're exactly right. It changes your whole countenance when you start to list the things that you're thankful for and that God has truly done for you. And I think it also just brings Paul back to the main thing, which we always know is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that was why Paul uh, did what he did, why he existed, because he, we know he was ready to go to be with Jesus. But I love in verse 22, as we close, and he says, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. And I love that. The saints of Caesar's household. What's he saying there? He's saying, okay, so a lot of people are coming to know Jesus while I'm under house. And they greet you. They greet you. Uh, they're, they're here. They're cheering you on as I'm here with them. So even under house arrest, even in chains, people were hearing the gospel and coming to know Jesus. And Man, we've been given things on a silver platter here, and we don't know how much longer that'll be the case. It, it could be hundreds of years where we are just able to share freely and to worship freely, and it might not be that. And so right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we have been given this free reign to share the gospel and to be a light in this world, we need to be a light. And that means there, there's really no higher calling for us as believers. And as I've shared hundreds of times, the holiday season is the perfect time and the easiest time to share your faith, to share your story, to share gifts, food, bread, whatever it is. This is the perfect time to reach out to whoever is in your circle, a neighbor, a church member that is struggling, whatever it is. You need to encourage people and tell people about Jesus Christ because that's what we're here for and we're here for such a short time. Amen. Amen, sister. We love you all. God, thank you for listening.